Hey, welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the podcast that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich. I'm the creator and co-host of Dead Pilot Society. You know, Malcolm Gladwell's tagline for his wildly successful podcast, Revisionist History, is my podcast about things forgotten and misunderstood. That would be a pretty good one for this, too. So welcome to Dead Pilot Society, my podcast about pilots forgotten and misunderstood. So I've been on a little audiobook tear. I listened to Norman Lear's memoir, Even This I Get to Experience, Gary Marshall's My Happy Days in Hollywood, and Nell Scovell's Just the Funny Parts over the last few weeks. They all mention the same joke. And both Norman Lear and Gary Marshall talk about this joke as one of the main things that inspired them to become comedy writers. And I've become convinced that this is, in fact, the greatest joke of all time. And the thing about the joke is that it doesn't look like much of anything on the page. You know, if you gave it to someone to read out of context, it probably wouldn't seem funny because it's completely dependent on probably the two most crucial ingredients of comedy, which are character and timing. So the joke, if you haven't guessed, is Jack Benny's most famous moment. Benny's defining character trait was that he was cheap. And a mugger holds him up at gunpoint and demands your money or your life. And Jack Benny pauses. And that's the greatest joke of all time. That pause. There's a great line afterwards, too. The mugger repeats your money or your life. And Benny says, I'm thinking it over. But that line doesn't top the pause. So look, I I like a good 30 Rock, Robert Carlock, dense, half-page long joke too, but that pause is what I aspire to when I write. Okay, I've been wanting to have this month's pilot writer on the show for a long time, and I'm excited that we finally got her. Our dead pilot this time is Gold by Genji Cohen. Genji is, of course, the creator of Orange is the New Black and Weeds. She's the executive producer of Glow. She's also the executive producer of the upcoming Lifetime drama American Princess, which was created by good friend of Dead Pilot Society, Jamie Denbo. I'm always impressed by how Genji's able to populate her shows with so many well-defined characters, and that's evident you know, even in this earlier effort. I'm really glad we were able to get Justin Kirk to read the lead since he was so great in Genji's show Weeds. Uh, in the pre-show interview, Genji drew a mental blank on the name of the stand-up she had in mind for the lead. It was Bobby Slayton. Um, should also say, you know, she says that she wrote this in 1999, but before you fact-checkers out there start uh, tweeting at us, it must have been a somewhat later draft because she makes... Uh, reference to buying Netflix stock and to the paleo diet. So Netflix went public in 2002. That was also the year that the paleo diet book came out. Uh, So she wasn't some kind of seer. She uh, must have just forgotten. She says she sold this to multiple networks and this draft must have been from one of those later sales. Uh, It's a really smart, uh, really good pilot. I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. Here's my live interview with Genji. Uh, followed by the reading of gold, all after a brief message. And rolling. Rolling. 
the news today is terrible. So why not forget about it while listening to Jonah Radio uh, with Cash Hartzell. Hey, everybody. Featuring Neil Mahoney. Also me. This is a podcast where we play music submitted by a uh, listener. We hang out, we listen to new tunes, and uh, we take submissions at Jonah Radio, R-A-Y-D-I-O, at gmail.com. Come and check us out. We're here anyway. Yeah, we'll yeah. be here. So, and that's it. Back to your regularly scheduled uh, podcast. Uh, I'm gonna bring up our first writer, Genji Cohen. I'm gonna take this one off. Okay. Okay. Genji owns this theater, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. In addition to all the, I didn't even list your Orange is the New Black and Weeds and Glow, and everyone probably knows. But uh, today we're here to read Gold. So yes. When I got a hold of you and said we'd love to, you know, because I've been wanting to, to do one of yours for a while, and you immediately, I think, said, I want to do this one. It's, well, it's one of the ones that got away. There, but I, I've written, I think, 17 dead pilots. Um, <laughs> I should go into that business. Uh, but then I wouldn't own this theater. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is one that sustained me for a while because I kept selling it to different networks, um, and we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right this time, and then it would go away, but it would pay my rent for a little while. How many times did you, how many different I networks? I think th three? Really? I'm not, yeah. And the uh, same? And there was, there was a cable version, and there was a network version, and. So this version we're gonna hear today feels like a cable version. Is this the? I honestly don't remember. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was from 1999, could, just so okay. people know if there are any dated references I don't really whatever. think they're. I don't think there are, which is yeah. which is a good sign of good writing that you didn't rely go. on lots of reference Timeless. contemporary references. Um, um, and so, what was so? You know, I'm not going to give away a lot. It's about a divorced attorney. Um, do you remember what the spark was? Um, I had gone out with someone who it, it's like the title of the pilot, uh, the best people on their worst behavior. I, I had gone out with someone who was an attorney. Uh, who was saying that you know he sees the best people on their worst behavior and that the criminal lawyers see the worst people on their best behavior. And that was sort of the impetus to, to explore this. Um, I had just been married a few years and I started visiting all these divorce lawyers, which terrified my husband because <laughs> I was doing research. Um, it's like, it's just research, but now I know a lot of yeah. things. Um, <laughs> Uh, and um, I think at the time, I was also hooked up with a stand-up who I wrote it for originally, uh, whose name is Bobby, and I'm totally blanking on his last name, which is terrible. Um, if, it, if it comes back to me, I will. Ugh, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> but I originally wrote it for him. After I listened to him um, speak, I heard his voice. But. There have been a lot of people who've come through who are like, I'm, I, I could be Bobby Golden, including John Stamos, which is very exciting for a minute. Um, but again, it never quite came together. So. And did it change a lot in the different versions when you sold it to these different networks? Were you really majorly rewriting it each time, or did it kind of stay? Uh, there were there were big swings, and that, and then I remember like, uh, all right, 
next time I sell it, I'm going to go back to the things I like. But it, it went through several incarnations. I don't know what version this is. I just have a file cabinet with <laughs> a lot of um, pilots. So. And I don't know if you can answer this question. So there, there, were, there were many of these dead pilots, and then suddenly there were, there were not, right? There was weeds and, yes. and that. And do you feel like there was something you started doing differently, thinking differently, that, that made the difference? Or? Yes, I stopped trying to please other people, honestly. I had done a short-lived series at CBS, which was a disaster. Um, it just totally got away from me and became a really miserable experience. And at that point, I left network television after a long time in those trenches. And uh, I went to cable, and my attitude was like, I have traded money for freedom, so I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm not, um, I'm not going to write to please executives anymore. Uh, and it was a big shift. And you've managed to hold on to that going forward? For the most part, yeah, luckily. I feel like I'm in a very fortunate position. I mean, success begets um, fear on their part, <laughs> which, is, which is a good thing. Um, and I've, you know, in, certainly in Netflix, I've found a very uh, cooperative, supportive network. Um, and because we were in so early, uh, they weren't in the kind of notes business. And right. they were learning from us. Um, yeah. So it's we got to good. say, oh, this is how it's done. You, you, all notes have to be in writing, and we, they're, they're <laughs> optional. And, and like, oh, is that how? It, yes, that's how it's done. Um, <laughs> so. It, it worked out. Well, I'm so uh, grateful that you let us do this, and I can't oh, wait well, to hear it. my pleasure. Let's, let's do it. All right, thanks. <laughs> Support for Dead Pilot Society comes in part from Simple Contacts, a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder contacts from anywhere in minutes. Do you need to renew your prescription? Take a five-minute vision test from your phone or your computer. This is incredible. It gets reviewed by a licensed doctor, you receive a renewed one-year prescription, and you reorder your contacts. Do you, are you understanding the convenience of this? Uh, have an unex, unexpired prescription? Just upload a photo or your doctor's information and order your lenses. Look, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but I said that right. You just take a five-minute vision test from your phone or your computer and you can order contacts. So get $20 off your contact lenses at simplecontacts.com slash deadpilots or just enter the code deadpilots at checkout. Guys, let's meet our cast. Playing the title character, you know him from the one of America's greatest television programs, Weeds. Please welcome Justin Kirk. From Liv and Maddie, please welcome Lauren Lindsay Donzis. You have seen him in Broad City, among many other places. John Gemberling. From Jane the Virgin, Yale Grobglass. You know him from Mom, Breaking Bad, and many other shows, including Let's Get Physical, which you guys should check out. Please welcome Matt Jones. Oh. You've seen her on The New Girl and in the new Netflix movie, Alex Strangelove. Please welcome Aiden Mayeri. 
from Futurama, as well as a million other shows, please welcome Phil Lamar. From Reno 911, Many voices on television, including Elena of Avalor. Please welcome Carlos Alasraki. Uh, she is a darling of UCB, and you should check out her web videos, follow her on Twitter. Please welcome Lauren Holt. And finally, from the Thundermans, among many other shows, Kira Kozarin. This is gold. The best people on their worst behavior by Genji Cohen. We're interior gold and associates, Bobby's office. In a corner office with two glass walls that look out onto a gorgeous, iconic view of Los Angeles, behind a big black modern desk sits Bobby Gold Esquire. He's giving his speech. <clears throat> I always ask my clients when they first come in, do you want a divorce or do you want revenge? Because they're two very different things, and revenge requires a bigger retainer. We angle on the person in the chair across from Bobby. It's Dr. Judah Bloom, late 30s, straight-laced, and in pain. I, I want to be fair. She's the mother of my child. I, I don't need her to suffer. We angle on the person in the chair across from Bobby. This time it's Susie Haven, an actress. Gorgeous face, long, skinny body, casual mean. Oh, I want revenge. Kill him. I'll write you a check. Now across from Bobby is Lou Berger, early 40s, dressed expensively, unfussy, feet up on the desk. Who's talking about divorce? I, I, I don't want, ever want a divorce. Why are we even talking about this? You got a Danish? My ex-wife is a criminal lawyer. <clears throat> she always used to say, I see the worst people on their best behavior. In my life, it's the opposite. I see the best people on their worst behavior. <clears throat> And trust me, at some point in this process, you will behave very badly. Don't worry about it. Your ex-wife. So you've been through this yourself. Sure. My whole career is trying to earn back a piece of the fortune I lost in my divorce. I had a shitty lawyer. <laughs> so what was your answer? Did you want a divorce or revenge? I wanted her back. Oh, you poor schmuck. <laughs> and we cut to opening credits. We're interior Bobby's kitchen. Bobby and his 12-year-old daughter, Gabby, are in the spare, modern, cold kitchen of Bobby's Sierra Towers condo. He's dressed for work, she's dressed for school. The toaster pops up and Gabby goes to the cabinet for a plate. Bobby stops her. Hey, use a paper plate from the drawer. I'm not contributing more waste to the landfill. Okay, well, when you're done with the muffin, you can eat the plate too. Why can't I have a real plate like a normal person? Because you're not normal, and I don't want filthy plates in my clean sink. The maid's having foot surgery, and she's not back till next week. I'll wash the plate myself. No, 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 no. You don't do it right. Only Marcella does it right. Use the goddamn paper plate. What's wrong with Marcella's foot? Mm, I don't know. Between her English and my Spanish, all I got was that her foot is sad. <laughs> <clears throat> Now, I hope between today and next Thursday it finds its smile. Maybe you should send her flowers or something. Darling, she's not my girlfriend. She cleans my toilet, which is more than any girlfriend would ever do. I I'll have Misty send food. Mom wants to know if I can stay this weekend. Speaking of women if I, uh, who never do anything for me. If you don't want me to stay, I can go to a friend. No, no, no. Of course I want you. I love you. I want you. I just want to know why your mother's rejected you. She's busy. Mm, I can only imagine. 
were interior a fancy bedroom. Dahlia, a sexy woman in her late 30s wearing a red silk camisole, is being penetrated from behind by a big, handsome, hairy Middle Eastern man. She's loving every second of it. We're back in Bobby's kitchen. So what's the story? She's uh, off to buy some rocket launchers with jam shit? His name is Jam Sheed. Oh, sounds like jam shit to me. I don't know what she's doing. We're in a posh wedding dress, Taylor. Dahlia is standing on a platform while men and women with pins and tape measures are perfecting her $13,000 cream-colored wedding dress, which is basically a slip. Gabby sits in a nearby chair and bites her fingernails. Stop biting your nails. Why? Just please, just please stop it. All right, you look like you're trying to devour yourself. Are you going to tell Dad? Don't worry about your father. You know, this is really not cool of you. Yeah, well, your dad is pretty not cool himself. I'll tell him when I'm ready to tell him. He's going to ask me this weekend. Tell him I'm going to a spa. We're interior Bobby's kitchen. She's going to a spa. <laughs> See, now you're lying to me, and that's a terrible, awful thing. It tells me that, that we don't have the close and open relationship that I thought that we had. Dad. It tells me that my little girl is slipping away, and it makes me wonder, what else is she lying about? Could I never trust her again? Dad, stop it. You're putting me in the middle again, and you promise not to do that. Isn't it enough that I come from a broken home? Oh. Cuckoo, the home you come from is perfectly intact with your mother's fat ass sitting right in the middle of it. <laughs> the only thing broken is me. <clears throat> I'm late for school. And mom happens to look great. She's been doing paleo. Gabby pulls out the handle on her rolling backpack. Stop, sit down, eat your muffin. Bobby takes a plate out of the cabinet and plops a hot muffin See, on I'm it. See, I'm going to put it on a real plate even. You want butter? I want you to stop interrogating me about mom. Gabby starts biting her nails. Fine, fine, fine. No more questions. I'm not going to say another thing except for stop biting your fingernails. It's very unattractive. She's getting married. She's checking out the site with the wedding planner this weekend. Bobby looks very pale. The plate slips out of his hand and smashes on the floor. I should have stuck to my guns on the paper plate thing. We're in the lobby of Golden Associates. The waiting area is spare and modern. Leather chairs, a streamlined coffee table, and a very stacked and sexy woman, Misty Wells, sitting behind a large desk in front of a large Golden Associates lettering. Dr. Judah Bloom sits uncomfortably in one of the chairs and sips nervously on a cup of tea that was served to him on a black lacquer tray in a real china cup. Bobby comes barreling in, looking none too happy. Good morning, Mr. Golds. What's on your mouth? So I have crummies, I eat half a blueberry scone. You have cheap, shiny crap on your lips. What the hell is that? This is a law firm, Misty. It's not the sexy kitten. And we're interior of the sexy kitten strip bar. Bobby is in the back room getting a lap dance from a topless Misty. She's facing him, grinding on his crotch, wearing only a G-string and a belly button ring. So I took a total bath on tech stocks this last quarter, but mm. I invested in Netflix right when they went public, so it kind of saved me. Do you, uh, do you like your job? Why? You got another one for me? Yes. I won't fuck you. You're very good at making unhappy, uncomfortable people feel at ease, and you got a great rack. Medical and dental? And eye care, and prescription drug copay. You do understand that I'm never gonna fuck you. But you can pick up your paycheck with your snatch, right? Oh yeah, it goes without saying. Yeah. <laughs> 
We're back in Golden Associates lobby. Misty picks a magazine off her desk and shoves it in his face, showing him dozens of models, all with her lip color. Vogue fucking magazine, Bobby. I happen to be the height of fashion, and this shiny shit is 30 bucks a tube, you unhappy fuck. Don't you go taking your shitty fucking mood out on me and my nails. You get me anything? I got you a double latte and a Danish. No, no, I can't have Danish. I'm getting fat. Then shove it up your ass. Don't look, don't just don't forget that you have a one o'clock lunch with Lou today, and you've got a meditation. No, a mediation. <laughs> that's the word. With Judge Tomasi at three. <clears throat> oh, uh, I'll be with you in uh, just a minute. Hey, you, do do you want a Danish? I'm fine, thanks. I'm happy with my tea. Oh, hey, Misty, would you send food for Marcella's foot? Got it. Bobby exits. <clears throat> Maybe I should reschedule? Oh, no, honey. You relax and hold your seat. When he's got a full head of steam like this, he's fantastic with lawyering. Judah smiles uneasily. Susie, dressed way down in Adidas sweats, white tank top, flip-flops, and sunglasses, enters the waiting room. It's only after a second look that you realize she's wearing full makeup. She walks up to Misty's desk and pulls her sweatpants down, revealing a tattoo right under her right hip bone. Check it out. It, it reads... Oh. It reads dandy. Dandy. Uh-huh. It was either that or danger, but I thought that might be like, hey, you've gotten into Susie's pants, and I look out for falling rocks or something. <laughs> look, do you think I made the right decision? Well, it's one less letter. Mm. Does the D-A-N look really different from the D-Y? Mm. Hey, does the D-A-N look really different from the D-Y? Well, uh, Yeah, no, it does, doesn't it? Well, the D-A-N isn't raised and swollen like the D-Y. Yeah, that was always the problem with Dan. He was never raised and swollen when you needed him to be. <laughs> I think when the inflammation goes down, all the letters should appear analogous. Oh, a doctor. Yes, how did you... Now, who uses the words like inflammation and analogous? Look, are you good? Never heard of you? Can you suck the fat out of my ass and make my allergies go away? I'm a pediatrician. Oh, well, can I, hit you, can I hit you up for a Ritalin prescription? <clears throat> if you're seriously considering taking Ritalin for some sort of recreational high, I want you to yeah, know. Yeah, okay, whoa, Tiger, take it easy, I'm kidding. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm a little tense. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't blame you. If you're in this office, your whole life is about to explode into a million pieces. Hey, Susie, what did Dan do with his tattoo? I don't know, he was such a wimp when he got it, he's probably wearing a big Band-Aid over it. We go to a tattoo parlor where a nerdy, smart-looking man, Dan Rodale, lies on a table as a scary-looking tattooist needles in a circle around, needles a circle and a slash across the word Susie. Ow, 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 ow. I'm telling you, these bitches hurt you coming and going, man. You want another slug? Uh, yeah, yes, please. Dan takes a bitter swig from a bottle and lies back down. We're back in Golden Associates' lobby. Dan enters the office with his attorney, Ken. Well, speak of the devil. Don't even respond. Fuck you! Yeah, fuck you back in spades. Bobby, both parties for your 9 o'clock settlement conference are here. Please call them in quickly. Uh, I believe my appointment was actually for 9 o'clock. Oh, honey, this won't take long at all. Can I get you more tea? No, thank you. I really... I have patience waiting for me. Bobby enters. <laughs> okay, let's go settle. Hey, Bobby, how's it going? Good, good, thanks for asking. Okay, could you not be so chummy with the asshole's lawyer? Sorry, uh, hey, thanks for asking, cocksucker. <laughs> are, are you gonna let him talk to you like that? He was kidding, Dan, don't worry about it. I, I don't think he was kidding. 
Excuse me, Mr. Gold, uh, I had a 9 o'clock appointment. Yes, you're right, I'm sorry. Please sit tight, I'll be right with you, I promise. Misty, get, get Dr. Bloom some more tea. Yes, sir. Misty stands up and walks over to Judah. She's wearing a low-cut shirt. She bends down and picks up the lacquer tray in front of him, thus offering him the most advantageous view of her chest. Dr. Bloom, we have a wonderful dar Darjeeling. I think you might really enjoy it. Would you like a cup? Uh, sure. Thank you. <laughs> and we go to the conference room. Susie, Dan, and Ken are seated. Bobby enters with his assistant who's carrying a legal pad. Here we go. Ready to cut to the chase? Shoot. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're close on the percentage of the back-end profit participation. We've settled on the custody of Evelyn. Uh, as far as monthly payments go, that's just the straight disamaster number. Where is the cutting to the chase part? Susie wants an Emmy. During the course of the marriage, you've won two. She's entitled to half. <laughs> She'll let you choose which one. Oh, come on. That is simply a punitive gesture. What, she, what is she going to do with one of Dan's Emmys? Uh, no, I deserve that Emmy just as much as he does. I practically wrote half that show. And we go to a bedroom. Susie, dressed in a T-shirt and white panties, is lying on the bed reading a script, pencil in hand. Dan is pacing, anxious. She crosses something out. What, what, what are you doing? You're crossing things out? What are you crossing out? What, what, where are you? Okay, I'm in the scene at the dentist's office where the dentist says, open wider, and I say... And you say, if I could open wider, I'd have better jewelry. That's a great line. What are you crossing out? You wrote the word I twice. Like you said, if I, I could open wider, I'd have better jewelry. I'm just crossing out one of the eyes. We go to the interior of the breakfast room. Dan sits at the kitchen table typing on a laptop. Susie is pouring dog food in a bowl for their beloved dog, Evelyn. Hey, Dan. Hmm? Danny, I have a joke for you. Maybe you could use it in the script. Danny. <laughs> she Did walks over and sits on the table right in front of him. He keeps typing. She lowers his screen. <laughs> Did you hear the one about the new pirate movie? No, Susie, tell me about the new pirate movie. It's rated R. <laughs> Get it? R. Yeah, put that in your little play. In the breakfast room, Dan is typing away once again. Susie sits across from him, flipping through a magazine. She holds up a picture. Oh, Dan, could you write me a scene where I wear this dress? Oh, God, isn't it gorgeous? I look so good in that. And we come out of flashback back to the conference room. She wants an Emmy? You need talent to win an Emmy. The only thing you can write is your name on the bottom of a check, you cunt. Ken, please control your client. You want one of my Emmys? Fine. Then I want one of your tits. You bought them during the course of our marriage, and I'm entitled to half. You give me a tit, I'll give you an Emmy, you bitch. Well, then maybe I should rip out half your hair plugs, you bald geek. Here, I'll start now. All right, I think this meeting is over. Yeah, you think? Ken and Dan exit. Susie rifles through her purse and comes out with a prescription bottle. She pours herself a glass of water and downs two pills. She leans back, exhausted. You all right? Peachy. And we go to Bobby's office. Bobby sits across from Judah. As I said before, I, I want to be fair. In fact, I want to be generous. Well, <clears throat> there's being generous and there's being a schmuck. Look, Judah, I've been doing this a long time. And uh, while I understand that you want to maintain a certain level of civility, and I encourage that, I need you to enter into this thing with your eyes open. Now, two years from now, right? Say you've met someone nice. Maybe you want to remarry. Maybe you don't have enough money to start your new life because you're still making alimony payments. huh? Maybe your ex-wife 
isn't too happy about your new union. She threatens your medical practice because you were so generous in the, the divorce and you gave her half. I'm not saying she will. I'm saying in my experience, people go through a lot of feelings. She's not a bad person, really. We just can't live together anymore. And we go to Karen and Judah's bedroom. Judah and Karen, an anorexic-looking woman with big teeth and a sour <laughs> expression, are on separate sides of their king-size bed. He's reading a medical journal, and she's writing in a journal. She closes her book, shuts off her light, and rolls over to go to sleep. He looks over at her. Karen? Karen, can we, can we talk? Karen sits back up and turns her light on again. She stares straight ahead. Talking doesn't help. Well, what are we supposed to do? I don't know. They both lie there quietly. Do you want a divorce? Do you? I don't know what else to do. Well, then I guess you've made up your mind. Should I go sleep downstairs or something? Where? On our guest bed? It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But I could throw a feather bed on it. It might make it nicer. You could take some of the pillows from here. Go. Karen, stop it. Forget it. What? Well, you'll stay here? You should. It's silly for you to go downstairs. Stop being nice. It's not fair. Sorry. <laughs> Let's just sleep, okay? Okay. They both roll okay. over in opposite directions. Good night. And we go back to Bobby's office. So you know what? I, I don't think you've made up your mind yet. And my advice to you, before we file, start talking about strategy, spending lots of your money, is that you go home or you go to work, go wherever it is you need to go. Think about whether or not you really want this, okay? And whatever you decide, you give me a call. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you. Thank you so much. You, you're right. I'll, I'll be in touch. Thank you. Judah exits. Bobby goes back to his desk and mm. sits down heavily. He presses his intercom button. Hey, Misty, uh, I changed my mind on the Danish. Oh. <laughs> Karen? Oh, you snooze, you lose. Your assistant ate it, and no good for you anyway. You're getting fat, right? Bite me. In your dreams. <laughs> we go to a restaurant where Bobby and his best friend Lou are having lunch. And when was she going to tell me? After the honeymoon? Maybe she thought you'd try to stop her. Stop her? Why would I stop her? I'm thrilled for her. Let her go uh, be Mrs. Jam Shit Javahari. Maybe he'll take her back to Saudi Arabia. She can get all dressed up like a beekeeper, mash chickpeas for him till the camels come home. You're handling this very well. <laughs> Excuse me, we can't all have a perfect marriage. And we flash back to an outdoor dining table. It's early evening. Bobby and Dahlia and Lou and his wife Belinda, attractive, slim, and smart, are all having dinner. Lou and Belinda are sitting very close together. Bobby and Dahlia have some space between them. Lou takes a big bite of something and gets a little food smoosh on his face. Belinda takes her napkin and gently wipes it away. Lou leans over and kisses her lightly. Dahlia notices this exchange. Bobby is too busy stuffing his face. Dahlia picks up a piece of bread and throws it at Bobby. Ah, what, what? What did I do now? And we're back to the present in the restaurant. Yeah, well, <clears throat> even those of us with the perfect marriage don't have the perfect marriage. Ah, don't try to make me feel better by diminishing how great you've got it. That's, that's not what I'm looking for. In fact, I take great comfort in your flawless marriage. It gives me hope. It's bad for my business, but it gives me hope. Bobby, I'm, I'm telling you, there are problems. There are no problems. 
Oh, yeah? Then why am I going to the Dunes Motor Hotel on Sunset tonight at 7 while Belinda thinks I'm in Altadena buying plexiglass? Please, please tell me it's an illegal poker game and you have a gambling problem. I can handle a gambling problem. It's not a poker game. Lou, what the hell are you doing? You've got a smart, gorgeous wife who makes tons of money, still gives you blowjobs. You've got fantastic kids. You get to sit on your lazy ass all day and pretend to be an artist. What's better than that? Gotta have her, Bob. Oh, you're killing me here. Now, the attraction is incredible. Uh. I, I've never felt this way before. And we go to the Mayfair Market. Lou rolls his card up and starts unloading. The checker, whose name tag reads Aylin, begins to ring his items through. Hi, Lou. Hi, Aylin. <laughs> it's love. <laughs> <laughs> or lust. I don't know. It's something. And we go back to the restaurant. She's present. fat? You gotta be kidding me. You, you got like, a fetish all of a sudden? She's not fat. She's, she's plump, but that's not, that's not even the point. There's, there's something about her. I'm telling you, she's kind, she's funny, she's... I'm totally captivated. Lou, you're married to one of the most beautiful women in the world. Yeah, well, for every beautiful woman, there's some guy who's sick of fucking her. And you're that guy? Please don't be that guy. You know what? You are telling me this because you want me to talk you out of it. Fine, here goes. Do not do this. I have seen it too many times. It is the beginning of the end. Bobby, I... Uh, uh, don't Bobby me. I love Belinda. I don't give a rat's nut about the wide load grocery girl. Now please tell me. Tell me you're not going to do this. I will never have faith in anything again and you will destroy your life. Say I won't do this. Say it. You're right. Say I won't. You're right. Say I won't do this stupid thing. Yeah, I I won't do it. Thank I, you. I, I won't do it. Thank you. The two pause as the food comes. They both pick up their forks and start to eat. Hey, I got a suite for the Dodgers on Sunday, and I'm I'm bringing Gabby. You want to bring the kids? Day game. Yeah. Mm. Dodgers Giants. Giants can lick my nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Great. They eat. Clink. There's very little eye contact. Mm. We go to Judah Bloom's house. Judah enters the kitchen. The Irish nanny, Amelia, is feeding his three-year-old daughter, Vera. Karen? Karen, are you home? Daddy! Hi, sweetheart. Is mommy home? She's not here, Dr. Bloom. Is there anything I can help you with? Would you like some lunch? No, thank you. I really need to speak with her. Do, do you know where she is? Uh, I don't know, Dr. Bloom. I, uh, I was told that you two might be parting ways. Yes, well... Nothing's final until it's final. Maybe we can still work it out. Oh, Dr. Bloom, don't do that to yourself. And we're in here, Karen and Judah's bedroom. Amelia stands as Karen lectures her. I need the bed stripped and new duvet covers put on the comforters, okay? The white sateen. Oh, and Amelia, please iron them first. They look so wrinkled last time. She brushes past... <laughs> She brushes past Amelia and opens her drawer, takes out her diaphragm, slips it into her bag, and leaves the room. Amelia sighs and begins to strip the bed. She hears the front door slam shut. She grabs a pillow and accidentally knocks Karen's diary on the floor. She picks it up and puts it back. She stares at it. She looks around. She sits down on the bed, opens up the book, and begins to read. We hear snippets of what she's reading in a voiceover by Karen. 
I can't stand him. I can't stand the way he sneezes. I don't want to look at his sweaters or watch him clean his glasses or see his cruddy toothbrush in my clean bathroom anymore. I hate the smell of his pillow. Thank God the kid doesn't look like him. Also, Bruno and I had sex for three hours this morning. He's big and strong and he fucks me like he means it. Judah hasn't fucked me. He hasn't even noticed that we haven't had sex in seven months. Ew. I wish he'd just disappear. I want to make love with Bruno in my own bed. Amelia closes the book. We're in Karen and Judah's bedroom. Judah is sitting on the bed where Amelia was sitting. Judah closes the book. He's pale. He bolts out the door, down the stairs, through the kitchen, out of the house. Bye-bye, Daddy. And we go to the exterior of Dan Rodale's house. Susie lets herself in through the gates of the attractive 1920s Spanish house. She opens up the front door and enters. Dan! Dan! I'm here to pick up Evelyn, and I don't want any shit from you because this is my time with her. Dan! Evelyn the dog races in to greet her. Hey, puppy. Hello, sweet girl. Evie, weevy, Evelyn. Where's your rotten daddy? Did he leave your leash out? Let's go see. Okay, okay, let's go see. Susie wanders into Dan's tricked-out TV room. There's a huge flat screen flanked by a big glass case containing a pristine collection of records, organized, labeled, and packed carefully in plastic sleeves. Evelyn's leash is lying on the back of the couch. Susie goes to grab it and reconsiders. Dan! Dan, are you here? There's no answer. Susie opens up the cabinet and takes out a box of records. The alphabet tags are sticking out. She begins to move records around, putting A's in the F's and C's in the G's. The dog starts to pester her. One second, sweetie. Mommy has to wreak a little havoc. She pulls up a Bill Withers album. She's about to file it under D when something falls out of its sleeve. It's a photo of her and Dan. They're holding each other and they're smiling. She turns it over. On the back is written, a lovely day with the love of my life. We go to Bobby's office. Judah once again sits across from Bobby, but this is a whole new Judah. Is it possible to file today? Because I'd love to file as soon as possible. Can I cut off her credit cards? How do I get her out of my house? I don't want that woman in my house. And I want full custody. I don't think she's a fit parent. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now let's calm down here. I understand that you're angry. I understand that you're all furious. I will address all the things that you want me to address, but listen to me. You, Dr. Bloom, nice guy, are not going to be able to maintain what you're feeling right now. And while nothing would make me happier than to put the hammer down on this, I'm going to be undoing things three weeks from now when you've calmed down. So this is a long road, okay? I want to hurt her. No, I completely understand. The yep. betrayal. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. I loved this woman. I had a child I with her. I know, I know. It's so hard. I hate her. Hey, you're not divorcing her because she's a saint. I'm just saying... I don't peg you for a long-range hater. Hate is a funny thing. As Bobby speaks, we cut in and out of scenes, and his speech becomes a voiceover. We're in Karen and Judah's bedroom. Judah has Karen's suitcases out. They're screaming at each other. Judah is throwing her clothes at her. She's stuffing them into the bags. It's ugly. When you're in the throes of it, it seems like your whole world, like it's the only thing that you'll ever feel for the rest of your life. But you know it fades. Not all at once, but little by little, until one day you wake up and you're over it. And you're relieved, because all that anger took up so much energy. And we're in Dan's house. Susie is weeping. 
She's frantically trying to put Dan's records back in their proper order, and she's crying and crying and crying. Love, on the other hand, love sticks with you years down the road after you've gone your separate ways and you're leading your separate lives. Love will still be there, a little peace beating in your heart, and it'll make you wistful. We're exterior of the Dune motor, Dunes Motor Hotel on Sunset Boulevard. Lou pulls into the parking lot and gets out of his car. He hesitates. A door opens and Aelin stands in the doorway. She smiles slyly. He hesitates once more, then walks into the room and closes the door behind him. You need a little perspective, you know? Marriage is the most intimate relationship two people can have, and to undo that is one of the greatest traumas any of us could experience. Once upon a time, you chose this person to be yours, and you believed that it all work out, and now you've lost that innocence. We're interior Bobby's car. Bobby and Gabby are in his Porsche driving. Ah, okay, so you're, you're gonna run in and, and get it, right? It'll take me like two seconds, I swear. Well, why, don't, why don't I just buy you a new one, huh? You'd rather buy me a new laptop than drive by mom's house? It, come on, I don't think they'll even be there. They near the beautiful Palisades home. Dahlia and Jamshid are in front unloading groceries from a Humvee. Oh no, this is bad. Oh, oh look, it's Bobby and Gabby. Oh no, this cannot be good. Hello, Bobby and Gabby. <laughs> in Bobby's car, Bobby begins to accelerate. Dad, watch out, Jamshid's standing there. Dad, Dad! Bobby continues racing towards Jamshid. We amble, angle on his look of terror as we fade out. End of pilot. Hi, I'm Paula Poundstone. And I'm Adam Felber. Adam, I haven't gotten one thing done today. Well, let me see your to-do list. Ah, yeah, well, here. Make 30-second promo for Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, so at least you're getting that done. Score! Except you haven't said what the show is about. We're like a comedy field guide to life, starring me and you. I give useful advice, and we have real experts to talk about things like how to keep a friend or what to do when you encounter a bear. Bully for you, but you haven't said where people can find the show. Oh, MaximumFun.org, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, hope you enjoyed Gold by Genji Cohen. As always, thank you to my co-host, Ben Blacker. Uh, these June shows are always a challenge to cast, uh, but... Uh, Together, we really, we made it work. The cast was great. Um, thank you to my invaluable assistant, Noah Findling. We'll be back at Dynasty Typewriter on September 23rd. We're figuring out uh, what we're going to be reading, who's going to be reading. Uh, stay tuned for details. You can keep up on that if you follow us on social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at Dead Pilots Society. And please subscribe, for God's sake, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Maximum Fun or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We don't want you to miss an episode. Just click subscribe. If you've ever listened to one, just click subscribe. We'll be back uh, next time with Suspended by Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher. Thank you for listening. <laughs>